Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. This is the best of talk of champions brought to you by Modern Woodman. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. No better person to come on and talk about the rivalry than C.J. Johnson. He was the Mississippi State recruit back during his recruitment. And then at the last minute, switched to Ole Miss. And boy, oh boy, did he set off a firestorm at Mississippi State. What is his relationship to the rivalry now? C.J. Johnson joins us now on the Modern Women phone line. Pressure off the edge. Speed and quickness of number 10, C.J. Johnson. Here comes pressure. He's in the pocket. He's hit and he's sacked back at the 40-yard line. That's a loss of seven. C.J. Johnson. C.J. Johnson coming off the edge again for the second time. Russell in the gun. There's the snap. Three-man rush again. C.J. Johnson gets through and hits him at the 10. Only a three-man rush. And he shark fins the fans as Johnson got through for another sack. On the Modern Woodman phone line is C.J. Johnson. If anybody best encompasses both sides of this rivalry, it's C.J. Johnson, former Ole Miss defensive end linebacker, and he's on the road home, back towards Mississippi. What's up? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you spending your Thanksgiving? I'm going to spend it at home, man, around, uh, around family and, uh, and my newborn. So it's going to be a great, great, great holiday. What is the one Thanksgiving food you have to have on this holiday? Uh, I would have to say uh, baked ham, man. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a fool for a good baked ham. If I would have told 13, 14-year-old C.J. Johnson, you're not going to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. You're going to be an Ole Miss Rebel. What would he have said to me? I probably would have said you were crazy. Uh, probably, did, probably would have told you the same thing that I uh, told Derek Nix. 
uh, back when I was in the 10th grade, uh, going into my 11th grade years, recruiting me. Uh, and I was like, Coach, I don't know why you wasted your time recruiting me, man. Like, I'm going to Mississippi State. And uh, I'm kind of thankful that he did uh, go with me through the process and you know, look where I am today. It kind of, kind of all worked out. What went so bad? Uh, I think it was just, you know, the, uh, I think the coaches, the coaching staff change was, was a really, really big deal. Um, and I think just me having the relationship that I did with the previous head coach, um, it kind of went south toward the last couple of months. Um, that was just not really um, a lot of attention showed towards me uh, in the same energy that they had throughout the beginning of the recruiting process. Um, toward the end, it just kind of felt like, um, you know, they were into more of, you know, me trying to help them uh, get other guys as far as, you know, making sure I was still um, solidly committed. I mean, I think that was one of the big things that I really, really saw towards the end, and it was just like one of those deals where – and my mom had never really met Coach. And so um, toward the end of it, getting a chance to meet him, and, you know, it was kind of one of those deals where she was kind of like, you know, I don't really feel comfortable with him. Um, there's some things that uh, she just didn't really feel comfortable uh, with me being around. And so uh, that ultimately led to the decision of, you know, me going to Ole Miss. But how did Ole Miss become the school and jump up like that? Because I remember back then when I was reporting on it that, hey, guys, y'all need to watch for C.J. Johnson. That could be a guy that could end up on Ole Miss's signing day list. And the Mississippi State people were like, they're crazy. They're nuts. This is C.J. He's been committed for two years. No chance he's going to be an Ole Miss rebel. How did Ole Miss get to that point? Uh, Honestly, I look at it, and I think Coach Miles had more of an impact um, on me going to Ole Miss than really uh, Mississippi State did because my mom was – she was in love with their whole staff. She loved Coach Miles. Um, Coach Chambers, who's now at Arkansas um, as a defensive coordinator, uh, was really, really in love with him. Uh, coach Haley, who's at uh, Missouri, the D-line coach that break, uh, had a really, really good relationship with him. And it was just one of those deals, man, where I was really leaning toward uh, LSU uh, more than Ole Miss. I liked LSU really the whole time. I never really talked to Coach Nutt uh, much uh, throughout the process. And it's kind of weird, you know, to be the guy in Mississippi but not really talk to the head coach. Um, and so I started talking to Coach, uh, coach Nutt probably around November um, of 2010. Just me and him built a great relationship. And uh, I just remember him coming to my house. And uh, everybody sit on the same couch. I would sit on, you know, the love seat. They were sitting down to their left. Uh, and my mom would sit on the same couch with me, and, you know, the coaches would be on the other couch. <clears throat> you just watch how, you know, they would sit there and they would talk a little bit. Um, and then Coach Nutt came to my house, was kind of sloused back on the couch. He, had, he actually had his feet up on my mom's coffee table. And uh, normally when that happens, she'll say something. Uh, but when Coach did it, she didn't really say anything. And was just sitting there, and you could tell how comfortable um, he was around me and my mom. Um, and just you got that sense from Coach Nutt. And a lot, if you know Coach Nutt, uh, one thing everybody will say about him is that, uh, is that he's a guy that he can be very persuasive. Um, and so he just, you know, just kind of drilled me the whole time. And then finally I told him before they left my house, I'm like, Coach, I'm coming. I'm coming. Uh, I'm coming to Ole Miss. And that was kind of uh, pretty much how, how it all went down. Who did you bring with you? Who could you say – 
I was responsible for getting Ole Miss over the finish line with these prospects. I know Aaron Morse was one. You've told the story on the podcast about being in Dan Mullen's house, calling Houston nuts, saying, yep. hey, coach, where am I going? Yep. But other than Aaron Morse, yep. who else were you responsible for? Nick Brazel, Tobias? Not really Nick and Tobias because they really kind of convinced me uh, at the bowl game that Ole Miss should be a school that, that I should go to. So finally, I just told them, like, look, man, wherever y'all go, I'm going. So they really kind of recruited me uh, more than I recruited them. But it was just kind of so late uh, when I made my decision that, you know, I never really had to help them recruit anybody because, you know, the class was pretty much uh, pretty much done. So I didn't really get a chance to really try to influence uh, anybody one way or the other. Um, I would say that those two guys, and Dante and Mon- Moncrief, Moncrief, uh, he was very influential too, man, as far as me making my uh, decision, which I said it already, but I was still kind of, you know, mulling at the point. And by the time I got to my visit, that was actually only the second time I had been to Oxford. It was one of the places where people told me not to go. And then once I went, I, I never really wanted to leave. I firmly believe that you making your decision, whether you directly recruited other players or not, you being actively involved in that class, just your name floating out there that that was a possibility, solidified some other guys to make that what it was, which at the time was one of the most highly ranked classes in Ole Miss history. Yeah, no doubt it was. And, you know, the funny thing was that I think that was actually one of the first times where most of the top players in the state actually went to one school. And that was something that was kind of big for us at the time because, you know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State were kind of in a rough place. Um, you know, that was the first year Coach Mullen had actually been on campus. You know, it's a challenging time for both programs and for the talent that we had to be able to stay in the state on both sides because Mississippi State did sign a lot of guys that were under-recruited guys that turned out to be really, really good players. You know, guys like uh, Tavares Calhoun, uh, who comes to mind, those under-recruited guys that actually went to Mississippi State. That was a linebacker from the coast. Um, I can't remember his name. Uh, he actually went to Mississippi State um, and had a really, really good career. Uh, the third linebacker, I think it was Nick Brown. Was that his name? Yeah. You know, guys like him, you know, they, they went on to have, you know, a lot of success. Uh, I think about even Joe Morrow. Uh, Joe didn't really, you know, play post-college. Uh, but just guys like him to actually go there and in certain games, you know, have certain moments. Um, I think about Zach, Zach Jackson from Heidelberg, um, you know, who's, who I was really close with. Um, guys like that and Dak, you know, they just go on to have such, you know, a great career and, and do great things as always, even for those guys. I think that there's a general sentiment that most kids commit to school over coach, but there are cases, such as with you, to where if you take for granted, if you're a new coach, the guys you have committed and don't recruit them just as heavily as the guys you're going after and don't build that relationship, you have a real chance of losing them. It matters to maintain relationships and have somebody that's staying in consistent contact and not taking anybody for granted. I think you stand as a perfect example of that. That's right. And, you know, the biggest thing is, is not necessarily recruiting as hard is just you have to you have to make sure at the end, you know, that they, that they understand that you're all in. I think I kind of missed out on that. Um, I think I can look back at it now and understand that, you know, as a co- being a coach now and recruiting kids now, you really see that, you know, like, hey, that's something that, you know, I don't ever take for granted. Is I try to go all, all the way. Um, with my kids, and the main thing is, is I try to stress to them is that a lot of times this can get lost in recruiting as well. You talked about 
you know, recruiting certain coaches, is that there's certain coaches who give you that security that, hey, look here, man, like, look, I might not be here the whole time that you're here, but I promise you this is a place that you want to be because, one, it's a great place, two, it has great people, and three, if I do leave, they're going to bring in someone who's just as committed, just as in this thing as I am, and I think sometimes that can get lost, and I know that's a card that I play a lot in junior college is that, hey, we're not, we don't have a lot of longevity. We're not here for a very long time. But what I can promise you is that I'm going to help you throughout your life for the rest of your life. If you choose to come play for me, that's one of my deals is that I'm a lifer. I honestly believe that all the kids that I've coached, um, I can give them a call now, you know, they'll answer and we can talk and have honest conversations. I was actually talking to a kid uh, that actually plays for me down at Southern Miss now. You know, just having that relationship with them after you're done with them, I think is the biggest thing that a coach can uh, can do, and especially in recruiting, that you got to make sure that you know guys understand that man, I'm here, I'm here for the long haul, and you know you got to make sure that that you recruit that way. I can't tell you how many conversations Brian Haydad and myself have had about C.J. Johnson. It's a weird dynamic in college football recruiting because fans are so tied into their school, right? Absolutely. The funny thing is that you know, I, you know, once you're done playing ball, but most of it kind of goes away. Um, I can just remember there were people, uh, which I'm not going to say any names, uh, but there was people that was in my support system from, you know, the Ole Miss community. And, you know, some of those people kind of, you know, backed out. You know, whether it was, you know, it was something where it was, hey, there was a new guy that they were, you know, going to support and try to help, you know, be successful in life. Um, and then, you know, there was other people who were like, hey, man, you know, you need a job, you need, you know, whatever, whatever it is, I'm here to help. That's the biggest thing. I mean, even some of my, you know, closest family members are just like, you know, hey, you're in the NFL, like, hey, you need something, like, are you okay, are you fine? Um, and then once you're playing ball, I, mean, I, tell, I, tell, I tell my kids this all the time. Can you imagine how depressed you would be if you go from making – Almost twenty eight hundred dollars, almost three thousand dollars every two weeks to five hundred dollars a month. Could you imagine how depressed some people would be about that? Thankfully, you know, I, I was smart enough to save my money and, and do stuff with it so that I would be able to have it at a later date. Because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have had people to help me out. Um, you know, and there's a lot of guys who are like me who, you know, you're not really sure if you're gonna be uh, have the opportunity to make as most money in two or three years as some people make in a lifetime. How close are you? And then also, how close are you to being absolutely broke and don't have pot to piss in? And I think for a lot of guys, it hits, man. And it hit me for a while. I mean, it was, I went through a point there where I, I didn't quite know what the next step was going to be. And it can be scary for a lot of guys and it can be frustrating, but. I'm going to say this. I think there's some money to be made for somebody somewhere to figure out a way to transition Division One athletes who aren't in professional sports have a career and have a successful life. I think there's a place for that for somebody, and somebody's going to do it, and they're going to make an absolutely shit ton of money uh, because there is a dying need around the United States for somebody to build some system, some structure for us to be able to survive. And I think it doesn't get the attention that it needs because 80% of us are African-Americans. 
or how you tell that kid that you know grew up piss poor that hey man you just missed the opportunity of a lifetime but don't worry about it it'll be okay we'll help you and I think the NFLPA tries to do a great job of it but how far can the guys go who never signed that contract or who never signed that contract with the NFLPA or pay a dollar how are they going to be helped it's hard out here when you're done playing ball man and you don't get the attention that you know you had when you were in college and a lot of people, they struggle with that. And one guy in particular, and I don't know, actually I would like to share his story, and that's Bo, Bo Wallace. Bo was a guy, man, that he, he struggled after he was done playing ball, and I'm just thankful that I was a guy that could be there for him and work with him over a short period of time to be able to help him get adjusted. You know, long after uh, I was able to have people to help me get readjusted because Bo actually came out of here before I did. So he was kind of going through it a little longer than I had and so it was just kind of a joy to be able to see him be successful now and be the offensive coordinator. And he's taking care of his, his own self and his family. And he's doing a great job. And he's going to soon get that, that big break that he needs. But it reminds me of how far that I came, you know, after playing ball. So I don't let, you know, a little piss rivalry, you know, <laughs> somebody being pissed off. That doesn't affect me. It doesn't, you know, it can't bother me. Because I know that you know, there's other guys out there who I'm, you know, talking to on a day-to-day basis, trying to make sure that you know we live and we live a great and healthy life, and that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot either. There's a lot of us that leave this thing really, really banged up, and I think I was thankful enough to get out when I did because now I got two week old and I love him to death, and one day me and him are gonna be able to go out and eat all the best. You know, and that's something that he's gonna remember, I'm gonna remember, and it's gonna be you know, a great, great thing. You won three Egg Bowls in those Egg Bowls each time among your best games of the year. Is it fair to say you did step up your level of play when it came time to play Mississippi State? Yeah, no doubt. Through my my career, it was 3-2, but 3-1 in a game that I played in in 2013 was one of the most miserable days of my life, having to sit at home and watch that game. It was pretty heartbreaking to sit there and watch it. And I knew in 2014, I did not want to have that, that feeling again of losing this game. It didn't feel right. And, and I knew whatever I had to do in 2014 to get out there and play in that game, that I was going to do it because I, I wanted to be out there and I wanted to, to make a difference. Because that's a game that for 365 days, you get to brag about your team winning the game. And that's something that us as fans we all want to happen. And so I just try to go out there and just play my best and not lose the egg bowl. Your top egg bowl memory is what? 2015 for sure. And I would put 2012 close second. We had been through a lot in 2012 and to finally win that game and to win it the way we did in the fashion that we did, it was pretty special. 2015 to go in there and win the game the way we did for them to have the team that they had and be as good as they were and for certain people to come back for that one moment to be able to spoil it and ruin it. Well, I wouldn't say ruin it because it's a special moment. But I think to, to damper it a little bit, was it was kind of fun to do. What's a holiday game like for a player? How do y'all spend holidays? Do y'all have to like eat Thanksgiving dinner with the team and stuff? Yeah, you do. And that's the crappy part about it. I can remember uh, going back to... Uh, the New Year's Bowls, I think they should do away with that. Every year, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have an Ole Miss TCU type game, maybe even more than one. The players 
you don't really care about the game. Let's, let's be completely honest. The NCAA doesn't want you to know that. The bowl sites doesn't want you to know that. Uh, but when you're there a whole week, you're there six days before the game, you kind of wore out, particularly in the last three days, filled with bowl activities. Being at those games trained for six days is, is entirely, entirely too long. You get wore out, and you really don't care about playing the game. In 2014, uh, when we played in the Peach Bowl, 2 12 ball game at 2 a.m. curfew. And I think things like that is something the players should be able to enjoy. You should be able to enjoy uh, being in certain towns for bowl games like New Orleans, Atlanta, Miami. The players do need to experience that. But at the same time, you got to find a way to be able to make the games competitive. You know, I always look back to, I think, 2012, I think it was when Alabama played Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. Oklahoma just absolutely destroyed them. You can't tell me Alabama was up for that game. They had just lost, I think, was it the week before, to not get in the championship game. And so you go from playing a national championship game to have to settle for the Sugar Bowl. Now, the Sugar Bowl is a great bowl. But for Alabama to win, I think, what was it was there from 2007 to 11, they won you know, how many national championships? To be able to say, okay, yeah, screw the national championship. Now you go down to New Orleans and you play the Sugar Bowl against whoever. Alabama's not going to be up for that game. But the other team is, they're going to be absolutely fired up for it. Just like uh, us in 14, we go over to play TCU. They were pissed off because they didn't get in the college football playoff, which I think they should have. They was definitely good enough. And you got a team like Ole Miss where we were banged up toward the end of the year. Happy as hell to be on a big stage for the first time. And really, all of our careers, it was like, okay, well, we're going to go have fun. And we did. We had, you know, a lot of fun, but not as much fun playing the game. And I think they got to figure that out. And I think now you're starting to see players sit out for these games because they don't want to get hurt and such and such. And so, yeah, it's the college football bowl system is starting to change a little bit. And some people are more frustrated than others. He's C.J. Johnson, former Ole Miss defensive end, linebacker. Got nothing but love for you, friend. Be careful on your travels. Enjoy Thanksgiving. My best to the wife, to the new baby. Let's catch up soon. Will do, man. I will take care. Same to you, and I highly doubt it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.